Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Fangirls Podcast, a place for fun, fandoms, friendship, and most importantly, fangirling. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julie, and we are so excited to dish and spill the tea with you today. I have officially lit my Saint Stan, the creator candle. Yes. And I'm so excited, which means we can only be talking about one thing today. That is the MCU, specifically Moon Knight. Very excited. And we can't talk about Moon Knight and or the MCU without our MCU special correspondent, Melinda. Yeah. Welcome back, friends. Hi, everyone. I have to say, Melinda, when you do the episode for us and we just sit here (laughs) and it's great because we're like, please give us all your information while we just sit here and feel like a couple of slackers. I love it. This was a really interesting show. I had no background on the comic books. However, I do enjoy looking at Oscar Isaac for extended periods of time. So that was enjoyable. I mean, who doesn't? Jamesies. He's so gorgeous. <laughs> Melinda, what was your initial expectation with Moon Knight? I am like Lauren in the sense that I also did not read any of the comics prior to the show. All I knew was what was provided in the trailers, which was a story that had to deal with Egyptian deities. And so I was okay. taken a little aback when it was premiered at the British Museum. <laughs> I was like, does Disney know what they're doing? But then I saw the show and it absolutely makes 100% sense why they premiered it there. So I was pleasantly surprised. I felt it was a great nod to the Mummy franchise as well as Night at the Museum. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I was very impressed with it myself. I had zero expectations. The trailer had me hooked and I was like, all right, MCU in March. Yes, please. We'll just add this to my roster of things to watch. You know, I wanted to get to it sooner, but you know, other shows took a little precedent over the situation, (laughs) but we are here today and I'm so excited to talk about it. You know, what's funny is I didn't see a trailer. I knew nothing. And then the opening sequence, I remember, I I think I called you, Julia, we were talking. I was like, I turned it off because somebody put glass in their shoes and I'm really not into self-mutilation. What is going on? You're like, just get through, just fast forward that part, jump to the opening scene. You don't need to see the glass in the shoes situation. All right. Well, I'm ready for some casting. How about you guys? Yes. Playing Mark Spector slash Stephen Grant slash Moon Knight is Oscar Isaac. Ethan Hawke plays Arthur Harrow. May Calame plays Layla Al-Foley. And then we have Kareem El-Hakim plays Khonshu. Antonia Salib is Tarret. I love this show. And TikTok was on fire with how this was the MCU's first Jewish superhero that has made it to the screen. So my initial reaction was, this is a step in the right direction, kind of, because while the representation was light, it was there-ish, right? Yeah, you had like hidden icons that you had to look for. It wasn't really prevalent until the fifth episode. Oh, I had no idea until the fifth Mm -hmm. episode. And he's crying. He takes his yamka off and he's crying. I'm like, oh, they're Jewish. Okay. Yeah. I didn't didn't know. So, but I wonder if that kind of has to do with, you know, Stephen Grant really didn't know who he was. Also, you know, kind of living this alternate reality and we're still figuring out who he is, but still they did take a while to give us that information. Well, we have some symbols. What was your take on this? What they did show as far as representation goes? It was exciting to see the necklace 
that Mark wore, you had to watch the episode a few times or hear from a friend that he was wearing it. Then also a sitting Shiva moment was very powerful, very moving. And it was interesting taking a look into the culture as well. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got some characters I would love to hear about based off of your beautiful dissertation that you sent us. I'm so impressed. My character dialogue is not anywhere near as beautiful as yours. <laughs> Let's dive into some characters. Well, the main one we have is Mark Spector. He is Jewish American. He's from Chicago. When he was young, he wanted to be a rabbi like his father, but instead he joined the Marines and the CIA. He then left the Marines and the CIA and he became a mercenary despite his conflicting feelings about violence and morality. He eventually finds himself connected with Bushman, who is the one who ended up betraying Mark in Egypt, which is how Moon Knight started. He is diagnosed with dissociative identity disorder. I am by no means a specialist in this whatsoever. All the information I received of this identity disorder is from the American Psychiatric Association. You know, symptoms usually develop as a response to a traumatic event, such as abuse or military combat, for instance. And it can include the existence of two or more distinct identities, as well as gaps in memory about everyday events. And it can cause significant distress or problems in social, occupational, or other areas of functioning. So we they did have a specialist on staff to help assist Oscar Isaac with Mark Spector and Stephen Grant's representation in the show. That is the main guy. <laughs> That's impressive. If he he doesn't win all of the awards for that performance, you're watching two distinct people. Yes. Even the way he carries himself. Here's the part of the show where we spill the tea. We are talking spoilers about Moon Knight. That was your warning. So at the end, when they're in the mental hospital situation and they're together, you feel like you're watching two people. They look identical. Yeah. But no, no, it, he was incredible, incredible in that mm-hmm. role. Just insane. Agreed. And speaking of Stephen Grant, he is the first alter that we are introduced to. We are under the impression that he is the one in control, but we find out it's Mark. Uh, Stephen Grant works in the museum and he has more of a passive role amongst the alters. And then, of course, we have Jake Lockley. Jake is more intense, more extreme, more violent than the other two. And we see references of him since the first episode. I know we're introduced to him in the last one, but he does make an appearance in the first episode. And people have speculated that he was in the Alps with uh, Stephen. And that he was the one who asked the museum staff member on a dinner date. I think it was with the with the steak when Stephen is vegan. Ah, so okay. that's another instance where they think Jake made his appearance in the first episode. And of course, he is the second sarcophagus in the psychiatric hospital scene in the afterlife that has never that doesn't get released by Mark or Stephen. Wow. See, I was floored because I would have not known who Jake was. At all, Jake's character, period, had I not seen TikTok videos relating to Jake Lockley. And I was like, what's going on? And then I deferred to my my expert and she's like, you just (laughs) blow everything out of the water. I'm like, I had no idea. Watching it and not knowing, like there was a few times where Mark was like, was that you, Steven? Steven's like, heck no, that wasn't me. So I kind of gathered that there was a third personality happening there, but I didn't know until I I read your outline, Melinda, that- This is someone named Jake. Okay. Yeah. Likes to murder. Okay. Yes. Uh, Steven is more passive. Will like to talk first and then fight. But he also has, he likes to fight close range. 
Mm-hmm. And Mark tends to be a combination of Steven and Jake, but he likes to use ranged weapons in his style of fighting. Mm-hmm. And of course, then there's Jake, who's the more extreme, who's in your face. And his MO is usually bodies piled around him. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. I, I noticed that. <laughs> like whenever it was Mark or whoever was coming out of being Jake, he's like usually removing some kind of sharp object from someone's body in the moment. I'm like, oh yeah, he's just in the middle of murder. It's like <laughs> he couldn't have finished the murder, then switched <laughs> I don't know. Well, then we also have Layla, Layla Fowley. Hopefully I'm saying her name right. She is not in the comic, but she has taken the place of Marlene Alaroon, who is also an archaeologist and Mark Spector's wife. And Layla has also embodied Dr. Abdul Fa'ul from the comics. Dr. Fa'ul is the original Scarlet Scarab. He was an Egyptian nationalist who basically becomes the protector of Egypt uh, by using an artifact to become the Scarlet Scarab. So they essentially combine these two characters into one to make Layla, who I love. I love Layla. (laughs) Yeah, I'm here for it. More Scarlet Scarab, please. Yes. And then, of course, we have Arthur Harrow as the villain. And in the comics, he worked in the medical field of pain theory, but he experimented on humans, especially on Jews, Romani, and people of color in Auschwitz. And now this was written in 1980, so... It may, the time frame makes sense, but he experimented to try to get rid of the feeling of pain, which might be an explanation as to why Harrow in the show is balanced, walking on glass with his shoes. It may be a nod mm. to his comic book history where he's trying to mind over matter and not feel pain. That's my guess. It's a stretch, but it's my guess. Oh, that's a great <laughs> guess. Yeah, I will take that guess because I had no idea myself. I was like, uh, where is this going? <laughs> <laughs> Another side character we are introduced to in the beginning is Mark's brother. In the comics, it's Randall Spector. In the comics, was also a CIA agent, but he was double dealing with foreign foreign powers, and that just turned into a huge chasm between the brothers. And Randall worked for a group of rebels on the border of Sudan and not knowing that Mark was with the group and Randall ended up getting hurt and left for dead among the rest of his group swore vengeance against Mark because he assumed Mark knew he was in the group and vowed to replace his brother as a new avatar for Conchu and becomes a shadow knight however in the show he gets into a tragic accident and doesn't basically survive childhood. So I don't think they're going to go the Randall Spector way. If they do a second season, um, they might go with Bushman. And Bushman is the character who kills the archaeology group that Mark Spector is also a part of and leaves Mark Spector to die. And that's when Mark reaches the Temple of Conchu and becomes a Moon Knight. Also season two. (laughs) Yeah. Come on, season two. Please. (laughs) Approve it. Let's do this. Yes. We need answers. We need to see Bushman and we need to see Randall if he's still around. (laughs) Right. All right. Well, I know you picked up on a lot more than I did in this show, Melinda, but what do you have for Easter eggs? All right. Well, in episode one, it took me a second to uh, realize, but in the missed call list on Mark's flip phone, there is a listing and it's Duchamp. Now Duchamp in the comics, his full name is Jean-Paul Duchamp. And he is from the French army and actually befriends Mark while operating as a mercenary in North Africa. The two of them become really close friends and Mark t- gave him the nickname Frenchie. Duchamp is Mark's BFF. Um, I love that. In episode two, Stephen's flat number is 502. So that could be a nod to the Avengers issue 502, which is one of the few in which Moon Knight is involved with the Avengers. And this happens 
happens after Scarlet Witch has lost control of her powers and the Avengers have basically disbanded, oh. which is kind of where we are right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's very relevant. Very, very timing. Relevant. Is on point, guys. Season two. Come on, we're gonna have it. In episode three, the late actor Gaspard Uliel, he is Anton Mogart, who is a Marvel villain known as Midnight Man in the comics. And he's known as Midnight Man because he performs a bunch of high-end thefts strictly at midnight, always at midnight. Uh, there's actually a nod to his character in the show. There's a clock scene, I guess, in episode three with the clock is pointing at midnight with Gaspard in the scene. So that was a nice little nod to the comics. And then episode four was just all the Easter eggs. It was <laughs> a bunch of characters that we've seen throughout the show and they nodded to future episodes such as the rubber duck, which we saw at the end of season of episode six. And Layla has a scarab bandage on her finger, which nods to the scarlet scarab. And it's episode four in the tomb. I was not aware of this until I had to dig and do some research. One of King the Conqueror's variants is Alexander the Great. And that is the tomb that we uncovered in, right? Yeah, <laughs> dude. Oh, oh my goodness. Mind blown. So the theory is that the Alexander the Great mummy is actually one of the King variants. Wow. Which um, would tie to Loki. Which would tie to Loki and Quantumania. Oh, jeez. Oh, wow. Right. So good, dude. It's so good. Um, in episode five, they have a Black Panther reference. Tarawet guides Stephen and Mark through the afterlife and explains that there's multiple places where, you know, untethered souls go after death, um, including the ancestral plane. And she mentions how beautiful it is. And that, of course, is where T'Challa was able to communicate with his deceased father and other former monarchs of Wakanda. It's a nice, that was a nice nod. Um, and of course, in episode six, at the very end, the hospital name Sinkovich Psychiatric Hospital, which is a nod to 1980s Moon Knight comic book artist Bill Sinkovich. And then, of course, there's hidden QR codes across the the series as well, if you were able to notice them. Hidden that, QR codes? Yes. Yes. Get <laughs> so, this. And again, the TikTok, <laughs> folks. I would not have known this at all had it not been for TikTok and are you pointing this out to me, but you said every episode had a hidden not, QR code? Not every episode. Four episodes out of the six have hidden QR codes. And what do these QR codes link to? They link to free access to comic books that are centered around Moon Knight. So for episode one, it links to Werewolf by Night, number 32, which is the first appearance of Moon Knight in Marvel Comics. Episode two, that links to Werewolf by Night, number 33, and it's a continuation of the story. Episode five, which is probably one of my favorites, it links to Moon Knight number one that was published in 1980s. It's the first solo comic series for Moon Knight that you can read for free. And in episode six, it leads to Moon Knight Annual, published in 2019, number one. And this is where he fights Kane the Conqueror. So they might be hinting that this is going to be the big baddie for phase four. That is so wild. Like they, at that point, now you have to bring Kang in to the picture. Yes. Yes. This Kang is so involved with all these characters. Yeah. It's like at first people were trying to link where everything was going. And I know Feige had just recently said that in the next couple of months, our questions are going to be answered. Like it's going to be all set up, but right now they're just introducing the team essentially to fight the big baddie, which I think is Kang. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All I'm hearing is we're going to get a season two of Moon Knight. Mm -hmm. Kang the Conqueror is coming in hot. I'm so ready. 
I hadn't seen that extra scene with him uh, taking Arthur out to the limo. I just watched it. Oh, that. Uh, <laughs> he just shot him. He's dead. Shot yeah, him up. Yeah. He did. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe he's immortal. I don't know. You know, Mark couldn't finish the job. He's like, well, I'm not going to kill him. And Conchu, right. free me. Apparently, Jake had other plans. Never made that deal with Conchu. Okay. Oh, Conchu specifically said, I will free the two of you. Right. Not, so, the, not three. the three of them. Yeah. Hate my exactly. friend, Jake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Did you guys have favorite moments? Because this show came out of the blue and wowed me till no end. But what were your favorite moments from the show? Oh, mine is, okay, they're in the street fighting and Layla is like the scarlet scarab. Mm-hmm. And the girl says in Egyptian, are you an Egyptian superhero? And she just says, I am. And then keeps doing her thing. I was like, yes. <laughs> Short answer, like, yes. <laughs> this little, this girl is watching her and she's like, whoa, what a badass. And it just, I just loved that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think one of my favorites, I have, I have several, but one of them was when they, when Steven and Layla are at the tomb and Mark is trying to take control. And he says, you're not alone, Steven. You're not alone. And Steven's like, I know I'm not alone. I'm with Layla. Like, oh, and then Mark punches Steven. I love that part. <laughs> falls down the tunnel. Also, when Tarawet realizes that Layla's reaching out to her to become the, her avatar, she's mm-hmm. Layla! gets super excited. I freaking love that whole scene. It was super cute. She was so funny with the paper talking to Mark and Steven in the uh, the mental hospital, and just like, hold on, and throwing all the papers trying to get the right one to read. <laughs> I'm like, you are that would be me if I was, you know, some kind of Egyptian deity. I'd be a little disorganized, I think. What about you, Julie? I absolutely loved the soundtrack more than anything. I just caught myself dancing at the end credit scenes. Yeah. Hands down. I absolutely loved when they were going back and forth. It was Steven's first time summoning the suit. Mm -hmm. And he's just flopping around like a fish. like ding, ding, ding. And he goes like hits the floor in a superhero pose and then just falls over. (laughs) And it was so good. They hyped the posters, the advertising for Moon Knight in general, hyped him up to be this total badass when we were seeing Mark Spector, but the posters for Stephen Grant, he's so dorky and so fun and all these great things. The posters hyped him up to be so much more bold and so much more, I don't know, masculine. And then we just see this scene where he summons his suit and he, <laughs> I love his quirky dorkiness. And he's all like, hello this. guys, can we just talk this out for a minute? Yeah. <laughs> Let me take control of the body. Take control of the body, Mark. Yeah. Do it. Do it now. (laughs) But he had a lot of great one-liners. So I'm team Steven for sure. But don't get me wrong. Mark had some great moments also. Yeah. I tend to go for more baggage with what I choose. So I'm going to go with Mark probably. I do love an English accent, but for some reason, baggage really does it for me. So I'm going with Julie. I I'm a Steven fan. The moment where he did the superhero landing, I was like, oh my God, that's bad on the knees. But um, <laughs> yeah, I I enjoyed the show. And talking about the music, I have been nonstop listening to El Maluk. It was okay. a song used at the end of episode two. It, it goes really hard. It's street music. So it's Egyptian street music. It's called Maharaganas. Maharagana. And it's interesting because it was created in the poorest sections of Cairo and it was looked down upon and considered lower class and uneducated and then here comes this Egyptian director with the MCU and says, no, it's part of our culture. You're going to listen to that. it. I've listened to it every week since it's been released. It's so good. <laughs> Huzzah. 
So I focused on the moon phase changes at the end of the episodes. And I thought maybe there was more to it than progression of time. The first episode I thought was a certain moon phase, which actually I think it's more, it's the new moon, which means that it's a time for reflection and and exploring the unseen. And this is when Steven learns that he might be a superhero. Kind of correlates between the two. Um, Episode two is a waxing crescent moon. And that is when... So it's an invitation to act boldly during this time. And in this episode, Stephen is basically thrown into the war with the gods. Uh, in episode three, you have the first quarter moon. And that is basically when you're seeking individuality. And even though there might be obstacles, you need to keep moving forward, which is when Mark is in the forefront and Harrow is two steps ahead. In episode four, you have the waxing gibbous. And that is concepts of the final steps are being built. And it's usually the hardest part of the month for people. And this is when Stephen and Mark have to find balance in the afterlife. So five, you have the waning crescent. And Mark and Steven search through their memories to find their truth. And during this moon phase, it is a time to reflect on the changes you have made and whether those have been positive or negative on your life. And in episode six, of course, it's the full moon where Mark, Steven, and Conchu have to work together to stop Amit. And during this time, something you have not realized or truly seen before may be made clear. And that is when they realize they have a third altar and it's Jake. Oh my gosh. Wow. So I know I'm you focused. <laughs> You are brilliant. That's what it is. That's called being brilliant. The MCU needs to hire you. There's something. Right? We need to give her an MCU honorary doctorate. I realized during this time that I do enjoy research and I do enjoy writing. And then (laughs) I also enjoy astrology. And I was watching this series and the end credits. I was like, there's got to be more than just the passage of time. And I looked at the meaning behind the moon symbols. I was like, oh, this makes way too much sense. Like they they match way too closely. Yeah, that is amazing. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much, friend. It was so much fun. And now it is time for the Fangirl Spotlight of the Week. The Fangirls Podcast is now on Etsy. Our shop has a variety of original custom-made fandom-inspired artwork in digital download form. With prints inspired by Outlander, Bridgerton, Harry Potter, Marvel, Downton Abbey, and more, you are sure to find a design that celebrates your favorite fandom. We are offering 10% off our Etsy store with the code FANGIRL. Link to our store and all the info will be in the show notes. Fangirls Podcast is brought to you by Believe Podcast Network, and we want to take a moment and thank you for tuning into our podcast. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts so that we can dish and spill the tea with more fangirls and fanguys like you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please be sure to subscribe to our podcast to listen to all of our latest episodes. We love hearing from you, so connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Check out our website to see all that the fangirls are up to. We post a monthly shopping guide called The Fangirl's Favorite Things, inspired by your favorite fandoms. All the information will be in the show notes. See you next time. See you next time. We here at the Fangirls Podcast are not affiliated with the following. Marvel, the MCU, Moon Knight, Anything related to the comics of Moon Knight, uh, all things Moon Knight related, we are not affiliated with in any way, shape, or form, unfortunately. Or Disney Plus. Or Disney Plus. Just really big fans. Just really big fans of Oscar Isaac. Oh, jeez. Oh, Those eyes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E. 
AV on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.